welcome to a new episode in the Expat Life in Odense podcast series. My guest today is Julia Jones. Julia is the founder of International Talent, a business she started up here in Odense, Denmark in 2022. And in today's episode, Julia shares her thoughts about moving to Denmark and how she supports companies and their expats with the work she does as a cross-cultural competency trainer and expat coach at International Talent. My name is Jastia Overlan, and here is Julia Jones. Welcome to the podcast, Julia. Thank you for having me. Where are you originally from? Well, I'm originally from Germany, from a town called Osnabrück. Some people know it. It's about 100 kilometers south of Bremen, so still northern Germany. Not so far away from here, actually. Yeah. And uh, so how long have you lived in Denmark? I've lived in Denmark for uh, for about nine years now, so I actually had to look this up if it really was yeah. 2014 when I came, because at some point you kind of stopped counting. I remember I kept saying I've been here for five years, for a few years in a row, and thought, hmm, that's probably not true anymore. So yeah, 2014. 14. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how has time been when you've been living here? Well, um, I had two kids in the time that I've been here, so I always feel like these years you have kids that are pregnant you kind of have to deduct from <laughs> from from the overall time that you've been here so maybe i'm a bit younger in actual sort of integration age to denmark but yeah i've um, i've done different things i used to work at the university and then i had kids worked in between and then i figured out my new career path yeah. that i pursue now you have started your business yes international talent yes I've been interested in switching career paths to working with people. And there's two fields of experience that I have naturally have that I can bring to the table. One is being a researcher in, researcher in academia. I was in academia for a long time. Uh, and the other one is being an international. So I've also been moving around before I came to Denmark. So And I have been in Denmark and I've had the whole experience of coming as a what what's so nicely called in sociology a trailing wife yes. <laughs> <laughs> you always think of like a camper trailer when yes, I hear that too. term like, <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was my it was my husband's job as for you know many other couples there's usually one person who has the job and the other one has to follow or decides to follow right yeah, yeah. um so i have that experience and i founded international talent in 2022 mm. And um, yeah, to to put my my experience to good new, good use, hopefully, mm. yeah, yeah. And uh, so, how many countries did you live before you came here? Um, I lived. So I know it's seven countries in total. So minus Germany and minus Denmark must be five other countries. Oh, yeah. Um, I moved to Spain for an Erasmus year, and I lived in Madagascar for six months studying monkeys in a forest for my for my biology degree and then I moved to South Africa for a year to do volunteer service and then I moved to Sweden at some point to do another master's in demography Mm. and then I also spent a year in the UK yeah with my studies yeah so this is the first time you've been uh, trailing when you came to yeah I guess so Yeah. yeah yeah How how was that experience to come as a spouse? And you used to be your yeah. own person when you go places. 
Well, I mean, I I must say that I think I had an experience with this and feelings about this that many partners have because there's an element of not having chosen this in it. Yes, we're saying yes to to it, but we haven't freely decided to do this. And I know that it it um that it influenced how I bonded with Odense mm. as a place to live because it always felt like I hadn't chosen that. Mm. What I did to my what I said to my partner was yes, we can go to Denmark, we can go any place, but we have to stay now somewhere because I wanted to stop moving around and I wanted to also have family. So from that perspective, I chose the experience itself, but I, I didn't choose Denmark, I didn't choose Unse. The first time I heard Unse, I had to go on Google Maps and look up where it is and had no idea, of obviously, how to pronounce it. I mean, I hopefully pronounce it correctly now, but I'm <laughs> still not sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that um, it can create difficulties in the couple, in the couple day dynamics. I also observe this in people who actually have a Danish partner, because then it's even worse in the sense that one partner is going home and the other partner has, has that whole being foreign experience by themselves. And that can really create like anger and frustration that I really do believe needs to be addressed. Mm. Otherwise, it just fosters there and creates problems that will come out in all sorts of ways. And you help in your business, you help people with this uh, anger yeah. management? Or, yeah. Well, it depends. Um, so I currently uh, operate on the level of a coach, so I'm not qualified to um, to do psychotherapy. So if the difficulties are too entangled and too deep and too connected with a person's past for example then i would recommend them to find a qualified a therapist to work with this but i do help people with all sorts of experiences or making sense of their experience of being a foreigner of this um, coming to denmark and and help them disentangle what's going on for them and this is for example one thing that we could disentangle and look at and get clarity about okay I can see this now this is going on for me this for example if it is something that someone experiences regarding their partner regarding that feeling that they haven't chosen this yeah what international what I do in international talent is that I help companies relocate integrate and retain their international employees mm. so it's a business to business model Uh, mainly I also am open to helping individuals but often the funds are not there at that stage where someone like me would be extremely helpful for an international but what I do is that I depending on in what stage I come on and what company what part of this a company wants to take over themselves so at the beginning after someone has been hired for a position I would come in about six months pre-departure up until about two months after the move and I can take over all the practical aspects from the big ones of visa being registered in the Danish what's that called in English Volkeregister so getting a CPR number bank account place to live all the way down to how do I post a parcel or what's the difference between 
there's 26 different milk uh, varieties that we find in Denmark. Yeah. Like all these practical things that are so life deciding at the beginning, but also a little bit of pre-departure, what I call sociocultural training or psychoeducation about what they can expect of this experience because that research has shown that that makes a big difference in being a little bit prepared about what comes. Many people, when they, especially if it's their first international move, they're completely unprepared mm. for the level of life crisis that actually yes. is. Yeah. And when the practical things have been sorted out more or less I start working with the people in the integrate phase so that's about two months three months post move to then about six months I mean six months duration so that brings us to eight nine months in total and in that uh, period I focus on socio-cultural knowledge mm. so in the course cultural competency training and also on psychoeducation. So I help people with understanding and making sense of their experience. We go through how stress feels in the body, why this is actually stress, but also in the, also about uh, the sort of big models of the what's called expert adjustment in human research management. But um, so I draw on, on different sources depending on what a person finds helpful to make sense of their experience and to understand and to normalize it because often people sit there and think is it just me am I not cut out for this hmm. and no it's not just you it's like everyone has the same experience and by experience I mean life crisis level of what am I doing to myself to my family why am I here anxiety depression symptoms like it is it is rough and tough and it really is something that most people experience at some stage during this What do you think transition. is uh, causing the depression? Yeah. Um, I think that when we move over into a new culture, we're not equipped to navigate in all these situations. And it's really all the situations from opening our front door and getting out onto the street and encountering our neighbors. Like, we don't know how to behave. We can't read the, the nonverbal um, communication. But of course, if we can't speak the language, we're also basically immediately not able to verbally communicate. Um, so every single situation seems to be difficult to figure out. And of course, we can throw our intelligence at it and our life skills and we'll be able to go to the supermarket and get our food. But it just takes a level of energy that is so much higher than what it used to be and also what it should be. So we have this constant overwhelm. And what that means is that we have stress. So the body goes into fight and flight. I have spoken to people who say that they haven't been out of the panic zone in six months. So, and after fight and flight, after the body has been exposed to a level of threat that the, the brain, the mind appraises as unable to cope with, we go into a state of shutdown. And this is when we experience these symptoms of depression. And that's why it is so important that at that stage people get help and support from outside, both in the sense of knowledge, but also in making sense of the psychological experience or helping them th through this so that it doesn't have to go all the way to 
the complete crash. Mm. So culture shock is a term that used to be used in psychology and is actually not used any longer, mm. interestingly, because it has such a negative connotation, that shock thing. Because cross-cultural psychology also wants to give a little bit of space to the fact that there's also positive <laughs> aspects to be had from well, this experience. Call it something else. And and that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they actually call it now acculturative stress from okay. acculturation, which is the process that occurs when we're over a long period of time in close contact with a new culture. So a uh, culture shock is, of course, the term that we use for this because that's the term that we read in newspaper articles or hear in podcasts or so if there's workshops held, they often call that just so when you know how to handle culture shock or something. And, and, and there is this famous model uh, with a honeymoon phase. Everyone knows this. Uh, so, oh, yeah, you arrive, everything is great, you think super, we go to the cafes, we enjoy the new culture, and then you crash. And because then you realize, oh, what have I done? It's so difficult. And then you adapt and you're getting happier again. But research actually shows that there's no evidence for this, that these phases actually occur. This model was developed in the 60s by a man called Oberg. And it was a conceptual model, so he just made it up. He didn't base it on observations or data. And research actually shows that there is no predictable progression over time, which I think matches much better the daily up and down and going around and turning in circles of the actual experience. And it also relates to something that that is called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Like at the very beginning... We are, uh, we don't know what we don't know, so we feel super confident. Oh, yeah. So we're like, sure, I'll, I'll figure this out, no problem. Yeah. And then, and then when we actually learn more about, we're actually getting more competent to navigate the culture, but we feel much less confident mm. because now we know what we don't know mm. and we feel like idiots. And we feel it like idiots daily in daily interactions all over the place, and we carry also this self-image with us around i mean maybe not everyone does but i did i still sometimes feel like an idiot speaking danish it just is you know you fall back onto like level of language that this, yeah it's not it's not uh, up to your like grown-up self but some some younger version of yourself so when you then get more and more competent you actually start to feel more confident again but there's no honeymoon phase where we where you think oh this is great of course there's a sense of adventure and sometimes also, also it's perceived as being a bit romantic and so on yes that's great but there's also right from the start there's big fears i mean you're just giving up your place to live and you don't have a new one so yes. of course you're, you're like an existential <laughs> crisis right from the start yeah yeah i, I uh, heard often people say yeah i just skipped the honeymoon phase and went straight to crisis yeah 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 <laughs> yeah Yeah, so that's what I, when I, in my integrated phase, I combine psychoeducation and sociocultural training with personal coaching, so with expert coaching, because then people can bring their own experience and their own observations and their own feelings and their own memories and try to to connect those to what they what I teach them, but also just to the overall, like to their past and to where they actually want to go with this. And I find that's a great way for them to, A, intensify learning, but also to then disentangle what's going on for them 
so that the whole situation becomes less overwhelming. Mm. And how how um, do people get in touch with you? Do they get to, to their companies or yeah. the family's companies or, or somehow? Well, so if you hear this and you work for a company in Odense or in Fuhn <laughs> and you think this sounds great and, uh, you know, speak to your manager. Um, if you're an expert and you can speak to your manager, this is professional development. You know, there should be funds for this. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is that I network with the companies. So again, if you are someone who knows a company who should know about my services, please pass my information on or let me know about it so I can contact them. Because currently I'm in that stage, I've started a year ago where I just need to get the word out. Mm. I just need to tell the people this exists, you know, this is this is easily accessible for you here in Unse, on Fühn. Because there's people who work like this in Copenhagen, but now we get more and more internationals, more and more companies hiring internationally here in Unse. So I hope that I'm just at the right point in time to, to sort of emerge with these services here in this area. So my, my email address is julia at internationaltalent.dk. So that's the easiest and fastest way to mm. reach out to me. And of course, you know, if you have the opportunity, you can just hire me as a private person. I'm more than happy to help anyone who uh, who has, you know, the opportunity to hire me. And I promise that, <laughs> that it creates a value for you that's worth doing. But I also understand how difficult it is sometimes to access a help or service like this if you're not quite sure what is it is it going to be helpful you know and of course yeah finance is always a question but and so this is sort of the private path Uh, but then the other path is if you are working for a company or if your spouse works for a company then there's also this path of going through the company and seeing if they can't finance such a such a service for you because Of course, there is also the element of the spouse. So some companies realize this now, especially the big ones. They know they have spouse programs, Danfoss and Lego and so on. They know that if the spouse is unhappy, the employee will leave. So the the reason these companies are interested in foster their employees' well-being and their hopefully then their family's well-being as well is because they want to avoid that. That, that they leave again. So for them, that's the pain point. That's the, the big cost to hire internationally, bring someone over and then they leave again. It takes about 12 to 18 months for a family to, to, to try, decided they failed and turn around. Mm, yeah. yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's a, a danger for, for the companies. And of course, also for the families, no one wants to have an experience and go through years of turmoil and then try again or go back home and realize that mm. that's also not as easy as one might think to go back home. And how can you help them like in practice? So when people are having a really hard time and, and you come in, how yeah. can you, what kind of, so can they write to you every day and you help them with all kinds of things or what kind of things yeah. are you helping with? Well, um, so I, I would preferably onboard them into 
into one of my phases, mm. so to say, depending on where they are. If they're still at the stage where they need lots of practical help, then I can help with that. And then we need to come up with a, a way of calculating how I can be an of, of assistance and make this financially viable for me and helpful for them and also affordable for them. So that's an individual case. If it's an individual, then we need to figure this out. But otherwise, if it's, if it's more about the emotional psychological turmoil uh, that comes at later stages well I mean, I mean it comes right from the start but at the beginning we're <laughs> mostly preoccupied with like super practical things but then I would recommend to look at so and so many hours of sociocultural training of that psychoeducation part about stress about what how does an acculturation look like like these kind of things and then the personal coaching and If someone is like, what, I have very limited funds, but I need some help, then, you know, go and get some personal coaching. Mm. Because that is where quickly something can be moved from feeling overwhelming and threatening and impossible to figure out to, to actually see a way forward. Yeah. yeah. And what is coaching? So what is coaching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coaching is uh, it's always this, like, strange thing coaching is actually just a, a conversation it's a conversation that follows a specific structure and the coach holds the structure and it's just designed to help the person think something through so we are often sitting with a sense of dread about something and we feel for months or years oh we should be doing something but we don't really know and want to and how to and then we forget because we get a busy face and then we remind it and then we get a, like a but now I'm going to do something and break out into two days of frenzy activity and then it gets forgotten again so these kind of processes and then we have them because there's different forces in us We're like there's unconscious forces that try to keep us away from things that we consciously want to move towards because they you know they feel like they're part of our mission or they would give us a sense of purpose these kind of um, dynamics coaching is of course can be applied to all sorts of different life areas but when we talk about expert coaching then of course this would be things related to that expert experience And often it's that people come with specific big feeling about something. For example, being mad at Danes. Like, lots of people develop, <laughs> develop being, being quite mad, you know. Um, being angry with Danes for the way they are because they feel rejected by them. So what coaching is, is that we look first at okay, this is something you don't want. What is it that you do want? Mm. What is there that we can we can have as a, as a, as a goal post? And then, um, you know, what is it that keeps you from, from getting there? Like what's in the way? And then uh, this can be time and money is usually the first things that come, but usually it's, it's deeper than that. It's usually connected to some, some fear of not being loved, appreciated or accepted in some way. So if we if we go if we take it to the deeper levels then we usually encounter something around that down there and then I would also make it clear what happens if we don't move towards our goal if we if we keep being stuck 
because that has actually often bigger consequences than moving. We're so scared of moving and doing things, but not moving. That's actually what we need to be scared of. Right, but right. we don't often really yeah. take the time to get clarity on this. Yeah. So this is where we sort of gather motivation. And then often that motivation is big enough for a person to say, okay, I can see these fears, but this thing is more important for me, so I'm going to move. Or also what I'm afraid about the probability of that happening is so low or yeah it dissolves usually in one way or the other and and interestingly once the sort of biggest hindrance is dissolved the others usually melt away as well it's quite a, it's I love coaching yeah. I love being a coach I love observing this and being privileged to it I think it's it's a great process yeah, and then we you know we we look at some action steps like okay now we've gathered all this or we created all this awareness now we need to produce turn this into how to move forward so how because people are they really really want something but they don't do it because they're afraid mm. and you help them do it anyway or yeah kind yeah. of <laughs> yeah kind of for yeah. example if if uh, if you if you feel lonely in Denmark because it's difficult to make friends and you've been feeling lonely for a long time but you're also not really taking strategic action steps to change something about this and of course it's difficult because there's time yeah but also because approaching any kind of human interaction is always associated with the fear of being rejected so but this, what what it is in the very detail is there's not a human universal there. It's like it's individual. Depends on on the specific person what it really is for them that makes it hard. And often once we kind of really looked at it and bring it out into daylight, it already loses a bit of its grip on us, and then it becomes easier. And then maybe a like a year and a half of feeling lonely turns into joining a canoe club and speaking to the neighbor. Yeah. And that already relieves so much of that sense of being isolated. Mm. You think that's the biggest issue for for expats, that they are feeling lonely? Or what kind of things yeah. do you see when you help people? I mean, Denmark is famous for how difficult it is to make friends. And especially when we combine the expert experience with some other big life change, uh, I don't know, I don't have any data on this, but I have the impression that often families decide to have a child at that point as well, or to, I don't know, or like, or the partner, of course, the trailing partner loses their career and suddenly sits without a perspective. Yeah, so if we have then additional stresses like having a child or having the having losing the confidence and identity associated with our professional career, then it becomes even harder to reach out because we have less time and we also have less confidence. So that can increase how difficult it is to make connections. And I, I've, you know, there's people who say, I don't have any difficulties making friends in Denmark because it really varies uh, on the life situation and also how lucky you are with people you encounter. Um, it's in the Danish culture. There's two things that work against making friends with internationals. And one is the public-private divide. So there's a, a strong 
division that Danes have, and they're not necessarily aware of them, where they separate their private life and their public life, and they will not let people that they meet into their private lives easily. Quite the opposite. It's going to be extremely difficult. And that is often interpreted by the internationals then as a rejection. Mm. Like, because they're expecting to be invited, to be welcomed, and that doesn't come. And they think, oh, that means that the Danes are rejecting me. Maybe there's something wrong with me, that people don't like me. Or also then it gets turned around into what's wrong with them. Yeah. You know? And there's neither of these things are true. There's nothing wrong with either part. It's mm. just culture and different expectations. Um, yeah, and the other one that is acting against that ability of being able to make friends is that Denmark is an extremely homogeneous culture. So everything is the same <laughs> and is also really associated with a need and a wanting of equality. But these things are actually slightly different equality and homogeneity. But the homogeneous part, so what that means is like, there's just a high level of people adhering to cultural norms of expectations how to dress how the house is supposed to look like what to do with their lives how to spend their time what food to eat i mean everyone knows like don't ever bring a dish to a christmas party that's not part of the danish christmas meal because no one is going to eat yeah. it you know it's going to be painful like people are really adhering to these norms And then again, we can look at this and say, what's wrong with them? Why are they like that? But there's nothing wrong with them. It's just part of the culture. It's just the cultural rules. If we had grown up in this culture, we would feel the exact same way about this. So there's no one way or the other being the correct way. It's just different. But that means that because everything needs to be the same and homogeneous, that a foreigner by definition doesn't fit. We're by definition not fitting in we're by definition different and that makes it difficult for Danes to reach out and to feel comfortable because it's all about do we feel comfortable right now in that social interactions and if they feel discomfort because some of their inner unconscious programming is uh, is like crossed they feel uncomfortable and that com discomfort will create a disconnection between the two people so there's no you know there's no bad intention at mm. all involved here Yeah, and I think that people come to Denmark, they, I mean, that took me years to figure this out, really. Did you also feel like rejected or people yes. inviting yes. you? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. up until very recently, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm like, I live on a road um, with what they call parcelhus, so, you know, single family homes. And I think, I think, yeah, I think last Saturday I, I walked over to our neighbors and asked them about the, the their stairs up to the house because our stairs need to be repaired. And I ended up chatting to the man and I've lived there for nine years and that was the first conversation I ever had with him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, partly that's also the language, yeah. but still, yes, you know, and I used to be mad about this. I used to not understand why they didn't come and welcome me. Mm. I thought like, why didn't they come when we moved in? And then we didn't go and then we... We missed the chance and I used to also think, oh, I did something wrong. But no, it's just, that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's how. 
and also for Danes when they move to a new place in Denmark. Yeah. They also don't know the neighbors. Yeah. And that's also hard for them. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I I heard that and and that also made me feel better and also contributed to me understanding what's yeah. going on. It's also this Denmark has very low mobility, so people usually don't really move away. So they are they in there in their circles. You know, we always joke that they're friends with the people they met in Vogestur because yes. <laughs> usually they have at least one friend that they already met when they were like babies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, how great for them really to be so integrated and having such deep roots. But of course, it makes it difficult for the foreigners to build connections. Mm. Yeah. My top recommendations for overcoming this uh, or for how to feel connected, how to build connections, like is to look for those Danes that have moved. Yeah. 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 Look for those Danes who have been abroad and come back because, mm. you know, it's there, there's a red pill and blue pill kind of before and after to this where once you've, once you've been out of a, your own culture, once you understand other people from other cultures coming into your culture much better than... For beforehand you're just not able to see it that's part of why I have difficulties convincing companies of why it is necessary to provide support for their incoming expats because yeah. they, they think they why Denmark is fantastic we have great work life balance everyone is happy you know good salaries good social welfare and these things are all true Yeah, but still it still creates an entirely massive life crisis for people to come in yeah. and they do need support yeah. at least if the companies want people to be productive and to stay long term yeah. can uh, do you have uh, courses for companies as well so they also can learn yeah so it, oh i mean this is this is this is like stage two of international talent is yes. when i move this into into that area i would love to yeah. Uh, I think I, I just have to find the right way of dressing this and also the right format that will probably be some sort of talk that I go on tour with. But yeah, in cross-culture psychology, integration is when we develop a association with the host culture and, and remain an association with our culture of uh, heritage. And that also is a, a mutual process so the host culture the people we come in contact with also change during the process of us developing the association with the host culture so in theory there should be something happening from both sides yeah and that does but again it's like trying to tell people that there's something in the dark that they can't see and they don't really understand so what do you think the companies don't see they don't see the level of overwhelm it causes a person to move internationally sometimes they might have no previous experience with any experts and they think that they hire a person and pay for a moving company and then the person moves over and the Monday after they start and they work full-time and they work happily ever after and that is not the case at all at that stage 
that person is in complete life crisis, living out of boxes. When I show pictures of moving boxes to expats in my training program, I've had someone breaking out in tears. Mm. Like that level of crisis is traumatizing. And at that stage, the kids probably are not in an institution yet, or the institution just turned out to not work out, or like everything is up in complete turmoil. And that is just big practical things that haven't been sorted out yet. And that person hasn't even realized yet how difficult life is going to be from now on for a while, because every single social situation is taxing and testing and mm. difficult. And then at some point, people also realize that there's things that they've done now that they can't undo anymore. There's the whole dynamic with what they've left behind mm -hmm. in the home country. Um, relations to family back there, maybe aging family members. Um, then they discover that from now on, they're going to spend their entire holidays visiting family. And that visiting family is not holidays. <laughs> Yeah, every expert can, yes. can like recognize this, but uh, but the person who's hiring the expert, they don't know, they have no idea. So that that level of overwhelm, I had someone telling me recently, they should just l say for the first six months a person works four days a week, and one day they get just to sort out themselves and and the the, the things they need to do. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, and you can help them with this. Yes, when they come. Yes. So with the overwhelm and also yeah. the practical things yeah. and just finding yeah. out so. so the whole idea between my services is that i make it easier on the expert and their family so that they can be show up at work as the most productive version they can be under the circumstances yeah, yeah. that's fantastic <laughs> they can have that yeah. <laughs> yeah it's also beyond the integrate phase so then the third phase I call retain is when there's even after eight months in the country everyone who has been sort of a veteran expert you know unfortunately you're not sorted out after eight nine months it's going to be years until yeah. things really settle um so I, I I would like to continue working with people in in expert coaching sessions and they can bring the challenges as they as they come up for example with Um, I have now a, a sick family member at home. I feel torn between staying and going or, or how do I solve this? Or like another big challenge for people is often if the kids don't thrive, mm. especially if there's something that they have any physical or mental health uh, needs and then the parents start to navigate the, the system And that can be extremely challenging without being able to speak Danish. Even with speaking Danish is extremely challenging. But um, that's when people often decide to just go home because they at least they know what's what. Yeah. 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 Then the employee leaves because yeah. it didn't succeed. Yeah. Because it was too difficult yeah. to live here. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I see myself just as a facilitator, really, mm. just making things easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Um, so, in your experiences, what do you think uh, internationals are most surprised about when they come to Denmark? Well, I think it's the how difficult it is to make friends. Yeah. It's the social, the social thing, like connecting the two things. Because Danes are so friendly and nice, 
and they speak to you nicely, but you always feel like you'll never get over that initial level of kindness in public. Like you never get invited into the private space. Yeah. And how can you help them finding friends through coaching? Well, I think it is the, first of all, realizing this and realizing that it's not something that there's nothing wrong with you, the expert, but this is just a culture thing. And then we are human beings. We need connection. We're wired for connection. So first of all, go and find some expert friends. Go and find some friends in the international community so you have a basis for for feeling okay in that regard in your life and then see where there's opportunity so looking for those Danes who have moved or those especially those that have been abroad they might be more of more open to and another thing that I experience and also hear from others is that we invite Danish acquaintances to do stuff and they're really happy to participate and they come or they go to joint, do joint activities, but they never reciprocate. So that's something that I've encountered myself. I also heard other people talk about. And I heard that if you just keep inviting at some point, yes. they will reciprocate. Nice. So I actually have given up before that. I had like one budding friendship where then at some point gave up. I was I was mad about not being... You know, that there was no reciprocity in this. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's the awareness. It's looking f to connect with the right th right people. And then it's also the spaces. You know, uh, see that you try to enter private spaces where Danes are around and they feel this is my private space. Because then you're already in the private space and you don't need to overcome the public-private divide. So that's mm. it's clubs, right? They always say... Is a, is a recommendation, often often repeated and also true. If you have the time, uh, find an interest that you're really interested in and go join a club. You know, photography, canoe, painting, walking, whatever it is. But also always with a, with a light touch. You know, this is not something to force oneself through. We can't create connection with force. Do you also think people feel shy or ashamed that they don't have friends or because it's a little bit taboo, like I don't have any friends? Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. Is that a, something that stops people from I bet. Club? I bet they do. I think I probably did. Hmm. Maybe still do in some way. I still don't have a Danish friend. I've been here for nine years. I don't have a Danish friend. Hmm. Um, so that's still one of my life goals. <laughs> Yeah. Any candidates out there listening, <laughs> write to me. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I honestly, I met lovely people and I've been like here and there starting to build friendships, but I've always come up against the fact that they didn't really reciprocate mm. uh, or that they, it felt like they were saturated with friends and family. They didn't really need another person. Mm. Whereas as a, as a as the international we come in and then it can feel like I have such a big need and the person doesn't have any need so that can feel uneven and there can be shame associated with that I mm. think so I mean shame is like shame is when we when we when we look at the reason we look at a situation and our mind decides I don't like this 
this should be different. I'm not okay, I don't like this, this should be different. And if we then decide that the reason for why this is the way it is lies with us, then we feel shame mm. because then it's like, what's wrong with me that this is like this? Some people externalize and they say, you know, what's wrong with them? Yeah. And that is anger. Yeah. And we can also like pivot between anger and shame depending on where we put the locus of the reason for the way we feel. Mm. Whereas, as again, as as it often is, there is no, there's no, no one at fault here. It's just what it is. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for all this uh, information and telling about your work and your experiences. It has been very interesting. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Um. Well, I. I so I'm two two things thinking about right now, thinking as I'm speaking. Uh, I don't think I have anything to add right now about the expert experience. Of course, this is something I can talk about for days, like forever and ever. But um, I really want to say thank you for doing this because I think that this is so important to bring the message out to people, to have give people opportunities to mirror themselves in others. And you're volunteering your time and your expertise for doing this. So, and you're having me and giving my voice, you know, like a space. So that's that's great. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Now I get very emotional. Thank you for telling me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You have been listening to an interview with Julia Jones. Julia is a cross-cultural competency trainer and expat coach, and in 2022, Julia started up her business, International Talent, here in Odense. Links to Julia's contact information are included in the show notes. You can also connect with Julia through LinkedIn by searching for her full name, Julia Agnes Jones. It's actually at Julia Agnes Jones, my nice middle name. Yes, I usually don't Agnes. mention to anyone, but there's many Julia Joneses in the world, so I have to differentiate myself. Yes. So, Julia Agnes Jones yeah. and LinkedIn. This is the Expert Life in Odense podcast series. If you enjoyed this series, please subscribe. And if you moved to Odense and would like to share your own story on this podcast, please get in touch with me at info at expertlifeodense.dk. My name is Kerstin Jøvland. I'm the host and the producer of the Expert Life in Odense podcast series. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.